still give us a few minutes to see if you have any uh, questions about these various uh, practices and teachings that have been given. And um, your questions may be very important for others too. So let's see if you have any. Yes. Could yes, you right. explain something more about the practice of being a magician? Sure. Child of illusion? Sure, child illusion. What was the question? Uh, could you please explain more about being a magician or a child of illusion at the end, the post-meditation uh, practice? The actual, the actual translation in Tibetan is, is magician. It was... Um, a teacher uh, many many years ago um, very popular teacher that coined the term uh, like a child of illusion but the actual the actual term is magician and that is uh, a magician knows how the tricks done the audience doesn't the audience is subject to the illusion the magician actually can create illusions so so it knows it knows exactly the origin of how illusions are made that's one what one has to find. So one contemplates that uh, in between sessions is what. So so we, we during the um, vipassana with support we contemplate it's all dreamlike, it's all illusory like. Uh, and then we want to find out why is it illusory like, and 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 can we actually understand that enough to be the magician. What do you, what do you say? So one has to trace back the origin of how all this appearance happens. And all this appearance happens because of mind. The infinite, infinite unobstructive nature of mind plus intent, which is karma, well, you remember when we say the word intent, we mean volitional states, which is karma. We create karma, we create results, which is called vipaka. So if you know that, and you know it clearly, then you can actually create just about anything at all. A building, opportunities for people, death for people. Maybe even alter the weather, grow vegetables, grow plants, all things are possible. But if you don't know the nature of volition and how all this actually comes to be through the unobstructed nature of the minds and cause and conditions, then it's, it's sheer bewilderment. You don't know what's happening to you. You don't know why these things happen. Uh, like in a dream, why is that shark biting my leg right now? Why? Why am I walking through a wall? So, so, so there's just a misunderstanding of why, why am I in this job? How did I get into this relationship? Why am I poor? Why am I wealthy? Why am I middle class? Why am I studying the Dharma? How did I get to this tent? You may have wondered, some of you, while you're in your tents or today, go, why am I here? So the magician knows, whereas the, the uh, spectator uh, doesn't know the illusion, doesn't understand the illusion. So there's, there's two levels of this. One is cause and effect. 
Uh, many, many Westerners theoretically, intellectually, uh, know about cause and effect. I've met very few Westerners that actually um, know it to the degree that they actually believe it. <laughs> it's really true. Uh, it, it's a funny thing. So you say to anybody, you know, you know nature of cause and effect. Oh, absolutely. But the next moment there will be a non-logical, irrational, completely preposterous activity that says, I don't believe it in the slightest. And I'll, and I'll get around it. I'm, I'm going to get around it. I'm going to defeat it. <coughs> so the magician actually really, really knows cause and effect really well and also knows that all appearances experience uh, is the play of the mind. It's actually not only experienced in the mind, but is actually um, born from the mind. It's created. So all, all of this is an outward expression of karmic energies banging around. When they stop banging around, you, you don't see any of this. If you hear, have your eyes open, you won't see any of this. So if you want to look at it scientifically, um, every, every, um, say, every, I don't want to be too technical. Every uh, genus, every, let's say, type of creature has a, a unique genetics, but similar to each one in that class. I'll just try to be very general without using all kinds of terms. So, like humans, humans are actually have a very narrow window of genetics by which their eyes are constructed, their, their sensory apparatus are constructed. Is that making sense? It's quite narrow. And it's actually very different than a, uh, a fish, a worm, an ant, uh, a tree, a tomato, uh, a raccoon, birds. Very, very different apparatus. So because of that, the world appears very differently. We believe that the world looks, looks and is experienced like this. And the conceptual world for us is extremely complex. And therefore, we don't realize how much of an overlay that conceptual world is uh, out there. So even this experience right now feels so real. And yet you can only experience this by the karma and the movement of the, uh, the mind, uh, the union of prana and mind. And when it moves, it actually, through one's own personal and um, historic conditioning as an organism, actually has this experience. When we stop moving, and you, you do this every night, when we stop moving and our pranas sink into our heart center, when we fall asleep, we can't see anymore, even if we have our eyes open. We fall asleep. So you have, you've seen people go like this? And they're asleep. Their eyes are open. They're not seeing anything at all until they start dreaming. So every night we actually, we dissolve out because the pranas dissolve away into the central channel. When we start dreaming, they rise up into the throat and become active and start stirring up the karmic winds in the throat, which are connected to the different areas. And we start imagining an outer 
world and inner world and we call that a dream and it's very believable isn't it isn't it believable and yet so is this exactly the same it's exactly the same it's a bunch of pranic movement shaking around and out comes this you can only know this there's no way to actually believe this until you encounter it for real again and again and again and again and then you you get it uh, you can even try this I'll try I, I don't know how many people get but it's, it's, it's pretty easy just go like this very slowly if you're if you're if you're uh, if your interval of concentration is very fine, you'll see that uh, there's a reconstruction uh, in, in less than a second. But you have, you, you, because you don't believe in it, you won't see it. But as soon as you let go of it, you start seeing it, you can see it everywhere. It all has to be recreated all the time. Do you have your finger up? That had to be recreated, and I, I, and I, 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 rec I recognize that. So, does that take care of that, Rod? All done? Uh, <laughs> I think there's much discussion, but it's okay. <laughs> yes. So, commonly people wake up in the morning and they say, wow, I had this dream about chopping down trees. But it was only a dream. <laughs> it's like not like, not knowing how the dream is driven. How's the dream driven? Through volitional, karmic uh, mentality. You change your world. You change your intention. The dreams actually change. The 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 point to me is why do we see a dream just a dream? And now this is reality. Well, one, we're taught that way, and children aren't. So you have to tell children it's a dream. That's number one. So children get told it's a dream. Yeah. Number two, because the sensory activity is more um, pronounced, we take this as more real. We it's take not. this as real. It's not any way different. That's and, a hard concept. It's very hard. <laughs> but you have to practice until you can actually... Um, and until it dawns. Not because you're trying to be that way but you have to let it come to you until you actually see it very clearly I mean some of you may maybe you have I don't know have had some of the most profound thoughts and insights and experiences while you've been dreaming at night is that right sure. have you had some while you've been awake yes have you ever chopped down a tree in a dream you probably have all over the um, golf course in Guatemala. <laughs> that tree was eliminated, but Paul wouldn't always hit there. <laughs> they just take it out. So we go around with the chainsaw all the time. <laughs> so you can have a perfectly clear dream of taking, and you say, aha, but the tree, did, the tree didn't come down. Is that right? The tree didn't come down. It didn't make all that noise. Yes, it can make all that noise. It can come down. So, so all the things that happen in a dream can happen in, in, in this. They say, well, other people didn't get to witness it. Well, how do you know that it isn't a, a group dream? All these people are dreaming. You can't distinguish the difference. You could wake up tomorrow 
Wouldn't that be amazing? Wake up tomorrow and go, have I been dreaming for 25, 30, 40, 50 years? You have no idea. No idea. And does the tree need to be taken down? So to get through this very, very thick wall of concept requires practice. So we have the six dharmas of Naropa, six yogas of Naropa. We have all kinds of practice like you're doing, which will eventually lead to glimpses and then eventually openness about exactly that experience. That's why I practice. But to do that, you have to soften the cognition. So I think, I, th I think to me, I sound sometimes like a broken record. So let me know if I, I am. People living in cities and in the country, but living very busy lives for 2,500, 3,000, 10,000 years are very sensorily directed outwardly. They're very busy. They're very busy socially. They're talking inside. Their nervous systems are really, really revved up. There's no way, let me be clear, there's no way for most people, except for a sudden mystical experience, to have the cognition, the nervous system relax and see the way you saw as a child, the way you saw in the womb, the way it is when your nervous system is nakedly open, relaxed, in its natural state. It is so revved up. May I be blunt? If you've been in retreat for three months or a year or six months and you encounter people coming from busy Victoria or busy downtown Galliano, <laughs> it's like a wall of mad energy. The only thing you can do is take your rosary out and go, Omane pe me hong, Omane pe me hong. May they become liberated into pristine awareness, because really what they're doing and creating all this dreamlike illusion through the relational actions, not knowing what's going on. So it's not it's not about being quiet. It's not about being tame and soft and meditative. It's just that. A nervous system that is wound up for 20, 30 years is a really busy nervous system. It takes time to unwind. Like it takes time to relax to play a musical instrument. So tight, like a voice, eh? It takes time. Sports takes time. Anything takes time to relax and unwind until it becomes very natural. And, and so one, when one reads this stuff in books and goes, what? That can't be. It's only because we live a lifestyle, not just urbanites, thousands of years, that, that doesn't give a chance for the nervous system to reset itself into a very natural, luminous, open state where we see things like we've never seen before. But if you remember, if you can remember and you see children, they're actually having those experiences. They're not enlightened. They don't know what's going on. They're not a magician but they are having experiences where they can't tell one thing for another. They can't tell dream. You know, I, I'll share with you an experience I had as a child. 
for a long time, a child, I used to have many dreams of flying. But I could also just close my eyes and fly and travel anywhere. So one day I was on the top steps of uh, the stairs in our house, which is a long staircase. And I just launched myself off because I do that all the time. In dreams, sitting at my desk, lying in my bed, is my normal launching off place to go traveling around. I couldn't distinguish at all. I'm still here to tell the tale. <laughs> At least I didn't jump off the you know third or fourth balcony of a, of a apartment building. There's no there's no difference when you're when you're a child. All kinds of things happen. They're not just magical. They're they're actually you don't you don't have the training. You haven't been entrained and culturized to see the world. So, from a from a scientific standpoint. Whether, whether the data is completely clear or slightly faulty, studies have shown that it takes 11 to 12 years to get a baby to see and experience the world the way we do. That's how long it takes. We forget that happened. Even parents don't remember what they did to their children. It's not bad, it's not good, it's not wrong, and school teachers aren't bad, but, but that's what we do. We take them from children that see very, very differently, experience differently. Have, like yesterday, right? The young child, Karma, running around, I'm Santa Claus. She came from behind the chair, she jumped out, she says, I'm Santa Claus, she's Santa Claus. She can't distinguish that that's something not real. And why are we looking at her like, huh? <laughs> of course she's Santa Claus. Because, you know, Santa Claus is just a concept. You don't have to have a... You should see Nathan as Santa Claus. <laughs> it's really something. Every year, Nathan gets dressed up as Santa Claus. But you, we have to have someone dressed up as Santa Claus. For her, her imagination is Santa Claus. There's no difference whatsoever. Zero. Absolutely zero difference. We think there is. There's none. I used to go to the moon all the time in my Apollo command module. It was a big refrigerator box like this, you know, cardboard box, dials, steering, you know, the whole thing. And we used to go to the moon. And had two, we had a double cockpit. We'd go to the moon. Fantastic. Land on the moon, everything. Real or not real? Completely real. We just didn't bring back moon rocks. So it, it, it feels wrong, but it took 13 or 12 years to get it to feel wrong. <laughs> Including all the feelings and the walls, everything being solid, when in fact they're not solid at all. Nothing's solid. Nothing's obstructed. So we, we create, so people can be social and function and mate and have babies and go, to, go have jobs and communicate and so on we actually create a very solid world of rules and conditions and concepts that are very, very strong and real. So a deep meditation retreat is an opportunity to let the nervous system relax. 
I, I'll, I'll, I don't often do this, but I, I'll share one example. After a, this is minor. I'll give you a minor one. It's quite common, so many of you may have experienced this. The, the, the big stuff I don't, uh, what I call, I don't talk about. But uh, after a three-month retreat, uh, I went right after a three-month retreat. I was actually on the way to India in three days. So I had to go to the hardware store. And I believe, I don't know if Aryan drove me or Jamie, I think Jamie drove me down the hardware store. Because I needed to actually practice being around a bit before I get on a plane going to India. When I opened the wallet to pay, I had no idea what the money was. Zero. Maybe you were there. No, it was Jamie. Yeah. And I reached in and I didn't, could not recognize what bills were what and what money was for. And coins. No, there's no, absolutely no concept. And I'm fingering it going like this and the lady is going, do you need help? I said, yes, I could use some help. Have you been away for a long time? <laughs> which means, which is code for, have you been committed for a very long time? I said, yes, I've been away for a bit. And for a while, I simply, she said, that's a five, and that's a 10, and that's a 20. She like treating me like a little child, and I didn't mind at all. And I couldn't distinguish the coin. She says, that's a 25, and that's a 10. Eventually it came back. I wasn't concerned, but it was delightful to have no idea at all what money is or even the concept or anything. It's just take out your wallet, show me the bills, and she helped me through it, and Jane was watching, going, <laughs> <laughs> not a clue. And it came back. I think then we went to Daystar, and I got a bit more used to money, and I could eventually pay again. But I, I had no idea at all, not even a clue, that I, that, that, that map of money had actually softened so much that I, I didn't even relate to it. I had to bring it back up. Yeah. So that, that just gives you an idea. We have to be trained for that. Like kids, you know, I remember, I remember swallowing a coin. What's a coin for? And I had to be shaken upside down. Like but I, I, I was more interested in what the coin tasted like. Being taken up by my feet. <coughs> Do you get the idea? So after 10, after 12, 13, 14 years, one doesn't have a clue what happened. That's why when I see children, especially playing in school and go, all going to school, do you know what prayer I do? I do it every time. I meet sweet children and they're all really, you have no idea what you've gotten into coming back to planet Earth. No idea what's going to happen to you. Not a clue. Not a clue. It can be fantastic, isn't that right? Isn't this an amazing place? Not for most beings. For the majority of human beings, it's really a put through. That's the fact. It's a struggle. It's really, really not easy. And for a lot of nice West uh, middle class, uh, upper middle class, 
and wealthy and poor uh, um, North Americans, it, if you look at the numbers, and one day I'll trot out the numbers for you, it's very, very difficult. Not like it is in some impoverished place in India for the other six billion people on the planet, but actually it's pretty rough. It's very bewildering, it's very confusing. And uh, health-wise, it's not easy, eh? Not easy. 60, 65% of all North Americans are chronically ill by the age of 20. There's something wrong. Yeah. 60 to 65% chronically ill. They're not using a cane, they're not in a wheelchair, but there is something systemically wrong, whether it's diabetes, whether it's emphysema, whether it's cancer, whether it's a, a genetic illness, whether it's... Um, um, uh, a bacterial infection that's doggedly getting there. They're losing their hearing because of uh, a, a strep, all, all kinds of things. Just add it up, it's huge. The greatest uh, killer in the world by 2020, which is really not very far away by the World Health Organization, is afflictive disorders. It's the largest killer in the world and it's the biggest problem in North America and Europe is afflictive mental disorders. It's extremely prevalent. It's very bewildering. So not knowing the magic show, which is your mind's nature, and how all this is actually created, is a really rough go. And that's where the compassion comes. Because it's hard to watch people harm themselves and not know how to unharm it hurts. It's hurt, it hurts to watch. You go, you don't have to do that. Actually, you don't have to do that. You don't have to sink yourself. You don't have to be like that. And even if you say, well, the person's depressed, it's a biological disorder. Yes, but actually, it doesn't have to be that way. You, one can come out of it, as we've seen. So, so that's where profound compassion. But that has to do with this illusion. When you're in a dream, you're subject to the dream environment. Isn't that right? You sometimes go, I can't get out of this. I can't run away. Uh, the tent's collapsing. No, the tent's inflating. It's weird. Same thing happens in daily life. It just happens at a slower rate. Uh, adults don't have tenter tantrums, but they probably should. And, and give them a chance, they will. And maybe some of you in this retreat, bless your hearts, may actually have a tender tantrum. That's a good sign. Just let it all hang. Yeah, because adults really want to have a bunch of tender tantrums. Why? It's not so easy being human. So when you get taught meditation, which is part of the wellness, happiness, multi hundreds of billions of dollar industry, you're coming here to get happy. That's absolutely correct. But to get happy, you have to realize first why the unhappiness. But the Western way is to just do something to get happy. But in the East, in the tradition of Buddha Dharma, the way you really become profoundly happy is you get to see the illusion and you get to see the origin and cause of suffering, the first and second noble truth. And if you look very, very closely for long enough, which is called vipassana, uh, looking closely over and over again, you will see the
the end of the clinging and the end of the dukkha. It will fall away. It will just open, collapse. If you know, if you, that happens to you, you have a reference point that few human beings have. But everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. Thank you for that question. Thank you for yours. So dreams, dreams are sensorily a little bit different, but they have the same elements. Same elements. And really, a good state to be in is you can't distinguish one from the other. It's not a bad thing. Just don't go leaping off tall buildings with a single bound, you know. Is good. I'll read this to you some other time. Words of advice. So there, there are there are three in the in the tradition of teaching Mahamudra, of leading a being to experience one's mind's nature. And the three Buddha bodies, there's three um, divisions of training. Zogchen sometimes like that, but most often it, it takes all three at once. But in Mahamudra tradition of Mahamudra, classically coming in com, coming from India into Tibet. Um, the first, the first stage, uh, which we we all really have to do, it's the, it's pretty standard. Is we have to have a calm enough and clear enough mind, to realize, its unborn nature, is called the Dharmakaya. So we, the reason why we meditate and we, bring about a very calm, relaxed, open, unbroken state of attentiveness is because we want to find the mind that is space-like, thought-free, awake, that has no mental clinging whatsoever, has no obstructions, it has no stickiness at all. Okay? What we've done, though, is we've made an enemy of thoughts and concepts and feelings. So when you meditate, you meditate to, to have a thought-free mind because it feels so good after 30, 40, 60, 70, 80 years of thinking like this all the time. You think the antidote, the end, the end is no thought. So subtly, even though you've now broken through to the thought-free nature of the mind, you've made, without knowing it, you've made thoughts and feelings your enemy. So what you have to do is you have to bring it back. And now you meditate on thoughts and feelings and all uh, mental activity as, as what it is. And you find out, in fact, just like waves in an ocean, that the waves are the ocean. The, s the clouds are the sky. 
the rainbows are the sky. Therefore, there's no inherent obstacle, problem, difficulty at all with having a thought. It wasn't the thought, it was the clinging. It wasn't the concept, it was the clinging. So as, Naropa, as Tilopa said to his student Naropa one day, Naropa, it's not the object, it's the clinging, the stickiness. You can have whatever thoughts you want and concepts. It's being stuck to it. That's how magic works, by the way. Magicians know that. So when you practice magic, you know cognition well enough to fool the nervous system right in front of people so that they look the wrong way. They believe the wrong thing. But it's right there in front of your eyes. It's cool, isn't it? So the third, so when we bring back concepts and thoughts and feelings, they're no longer the enemy. They don't hurt and they don't bother us at all, no matter what it is, because they're like waves on ocean. They're like rainbows in the sky. They're like clouds moving through. It's like rain. Then what will be tomorrow? I don't know. What will be in an hour? I don't know. It's going to change. Maybe. Maybe not. The third, which is fascinating, the order, because the order, the order works the other way in the uh, Theravadan system of 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 uh, Vipassana. The third is you have to meditate on the body, because the clinging so strong, to see what the nature of an appearance is in the mind, not just feelings and thoughts. But now we want to go, what actually is this such solid thing? and this, and this, echoes. What is this? What is this experience? That's the third. So you have to have a, a stable, you have to have a mind that is now experienced thought-free wakefulness. It's experienced the unity of, of thought, uh, uh, concept, and feeling, and mind unobstructed nature and now you're going to investigate all appearances of the mind and see what their nature is what do you think you find the only thing you could ever find you see why there's magicians and non-magicians what's the thing you could only ever find mind what's the nature of mind unobstructive space-like open uh, um, no clinging whatsoever. That's how big the delusion is. That's the order that we train in, generally train in. It's hard to do it all at once. You have to be in the right place, the right training, and with the right teacher. You, you have to have a beautiful connection with your teacher to have it all land at the same time. All three. But normally, even then, you still have to train. <laughs> after that. Find out what it is you actually experience. Even if the inseparability of appearance and emptiness, or uh, inseparability of appearances and awareness, pristine awareness, dawn, it may still take you years to find out what that experience, the implications of that experience, because it, it's so different than a normal experience. It's so different than 
normal way of experiencing that, this, mind, objects. There's, there's no such thing. No, 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 nothing, nothing like that happens. Okay. I think that's plenty for, for tonight. Yeah. Thanks. Gotta go practice. You see, if you're never told this, you may never go to look. If you're never told this, you may spend the rest of your life trying to get your mind so calm that nothing can disturb it. But actually, that's not the way the universe is. The universe is very busy, and it's highly disturbed. Actually, not really, but it is a very busy place. Have you noticed that? Even in retreats? Retreats are really busy. Airplanes, bugs, noise, animals, people, roads, all kinds of stuff's busy. So what? So trying to get away from our busyness, we want an antidote. What's the antidote? No thought, and I'm going to be happy if it kills me. What's wrong with the picture? It's not the nature of mind. All that non-thought is the skin of the mind. It's the peel. It's the coating of glow of the mind when it's in a re really relaxed state. But it's not mind's nature. That's like being on the outside of a tent and thinking you're on the inside. It's like looking at a beautiful apple, but you've never eaten it. But you know all about it by looking at it. That sound familiar? You know when you look at an entrancing apple? You get, you get the metaphor, right? The entrancing apple, the beautiful orange, the most beautiful peach you've ever seen. From the Okanagan, freshly ripe. It, it wasn't pulled off a tree one week ahead. It actually fell off the tree into your hand. Right? Have you ever tasted one of those? And you go, oh my... God, that's what fruit tastes like, right? But what would happen if you stood entranced by this peach like this for hour after hour and went, so beautiful. <laughs> You'd never bite into the peach. So what we've got is people practicing, which is beautiful, by the way, to settle down, to get calmer, to relax, to get free of the anxiety, to settle the thoughts, which is beautiful. But they don't bite into the experience. And it's like a wall. The worst wall you'll come up against in meditation is not negative stuff. It's the bliss. It's the hardest to get through. Because to punch through it, you have to really be told to punch through it. You need a teacher that drives you to punch through the wall of the a perfectly ripe peach, the entrancement. Wow, I love non-thought. I could stay here for the rest of my life. How many times have I heard that from retreatants going, I'm going to stay in retreat for the next 10 years. Very good, carry on. And what's it tomorrow, the next day? I think I want to go now. Not knowing the nature of phenomena is utterly bewildering because you take it so seriously. Same nature, same thing. The good, the bad, the ugly is the same nature. It's all just empty, <laughs> empty, pure awareness. 
frothing. It's frothing. Okay, with that um, frothiness. So, if you're not introduced where to look, do you know what I mean? Not, not where to look. It's not in Kansas. And it's not on Galliano. But you have to be you have to be led where to look like a razor, like a like a surgeon's scalpel. If you're not shown that, taught that, you'll probably never look. But you will write a book on the calm mind. Which appears like liberation, but it's not. It's very close. It's like a skin. Okay. So to me, and and by tradition in Mahamudra Zogchen, the most important thing are the pith liberating instructions of the teacher, of the Lama or the Guru, not because the Guru is important, but because to hear it requires a unity and an openness and a softness and development to be able to take the lion's milk in your special golden container. Otherwise you get you get burnt or you, you misunderstand it. You go off and do something else. So it's actually the liberating instructions that are absolutely essential. Uh, and being able to develop the ability to contain the liberating instructions and work with them with trust and confidence and open them up. This is Mahamudra Zogja. By this powerful activity, this punyakama, this uh, uh, this powerful karmic activity of the Dharma. Dharma is the most powerful uh, karma. By this powerful activity, may it lead to the cessation of bewildered, suffering states of all sentient being. Idante punyakamang asawakiwangudu idante punyakamang asawakiwangudu idante punyakamang asawakiwangudu Sabe sata sukihantu may all beings have excellent relative happiness, excellent relative health, and may all beings discover primordial awareness, may all beings gain confidence and realization in the primordial awareness, the naked, natural, unborn, non-state of their minds. <laughs> By the unity of compassion and emptiness, may that radiation of luminosity be a gift for all sentient beings. Saramangalam, Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam.